Thanks for taking the time to check out this episode of Desert Island Goals. Video links to all the goals we're going to discuss in this podcast are in the description below, as well as social media profiles for myself, the podcast itself, and our guest. Please take the time to follow us all right now. There is a good chance there will be some strong language at some point during this podcast, just letting you know that ahead of time. And please take the time right now to give us a five-star review on either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Cheers. Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Desert Island Goals. Happy New Year. I appreciate we've had a few weeks off here as we've started 2023. I apologize for that. Partially, that's my trip to the UK and various other things that you have to juggle that's made recording episodes a little bit difficult. But we're back. New Year. Same same old stuff. So uh, if you haven't been here before, this is the uh, Desert Island Goals podcast where each week we invite a football fan from around the world to tell us their story of their fandom and the five goals that they would rewatch or relive if they were stuck on a desert island forevermore and could only watch or relive five goals. Uh, we'll hear about where they're from and why these goals mean so much to them in their football fandom. So joining me today, a very special guest, Liam Horsley. Liam, thank you so much for taking the time to share your Desert Island goals with us. How are you today? I'm good, thanks, mate. Feeling the pressure. First one of uh, 2023. I like it. I need to start off on a high note. <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. No pressure whatsoever. I'm glad I'm glad it's you. I'm excited to, to get a chance to chat this kind of football with you. So Liam and I first know each other originally through our love of uh, the NFL and American sports. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll sprinkle a little bit of that in uh, as we go near the end here, Liam, and let you, uh, let you talk to the people out there about uh, your, your beloved Kansas City Chiefs, amongst other things. But first and foremost, um, where are you from? And what is your earliest memory of football or being a football fan? Yeah, so I'm from a um, place called Stroud, Gloucestershire in England, uh, southwest, near Cheltenham, for any uh, British people listening, the, uh, for Cheltenham races. Um, but my family are from Wales slash Leeds, which is something we'll get on into the podcast. So um spent a lot of time in Leeds, basically, in my childhood, even though we lived down south. And in terms of my earliest football memory is watching a local team, Forest Green Rovers, at Wembley. I was the mascot. So I was on the pitch at Wembley. This is the old Wembley as well. Um, all my family came down from Wales, from Leeds. Um, all I remember is being standing in the tunnel. I don't remember the game or anything, but I'm in the tunnel ready to go out holding some guy's hand. There's, it's, a, it's a conference game or a trophy game. So there's probably 32,000. So it's not Wembley, Wembley, but uh, being very nervous and walking out and probably having like the best feeling ever as a kid. So that's like my first earliest football memory. Uh, and in terms of actually watching football and seeing a goal uh, my first one is probably an England game um I was at um uh, well I went to pretty much every England game <laughs> I, I struggled to not pick an England goal for a spoiler alert here but my first one is uh, uh we went to I can't remember what country it was but it was an away game Michael Owen scored for England and that is like my first memory I don't remember the score or anything but I just remember Michael Owen scoring and dad picking me up um and me wearing a I think I had a David Batty England shirt on, and uh, probably the only one in the stadium that my dad that my dad actually made got made for me at a local shop. So that's kind of my first memories. Um, yeah, a lot of local football in England back in the, back in the day. 
So obviously you touched there on on Forest Green and kind of the 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 next question that usually comes up after where you're from and your earliest memories is is who your teams are. And so, mm. you know, important that obviously as a fan, we have our allegiances and I know you have I think it's fair to say several, shall we say. Um obviously England as you've already alluded to and I think uh we'll get on to maybe why an England goal didn't quite make this list, but I guess yeah, tell us who your teams are and and who you root for on a weekly basis. Yeah, so I'm a Leeds fan. Uh, that's what I'd say. If someone says who do you support, I say oh, I'm a Leeds fan. Like I said, my dad was from Leeds, big Leeds fan. You can see his name written in some books about Leeds hooliganism in the 80s, which is uh, one of his claims to fame back in the day. Um, I went to probably, I missed about five games under Marcelo Bielsa, apart from COVID. Um, so yeah, pretty loyal Leeds fan. Unfortunately, now, we live so far away, I can't go as much as I'd like. But yeah, that's probably my team. Um, England, I'm a big fan. My dad went to every game. He didn't miss an England away game for 20 years at one point in his <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Not every home game, away games. I- I'll leave anyone listening to guess why someone who's in the <laughs> hooligan book might enjoy England games. Um, so I am a big England fan. I know in the modern day, I'd say uh, people our age, it's not as popular, is it? I don't think as it was when we were young kids. No. Um, I-, I think people just see it as like, oh, international week whereas my family have always been kind of like that's just as big as club football to us so that's kind of my two loves when I was younger um and then Forest Green Rovers which is a team that was probably set tier nine or ten when I started um my dad moved to the area and actually bought Forest Green Rovers that's the reason I like them uh yeah so that was my team he bought them they were in debt they owed thirty thousand pounds to the tax man and some guy in the pub said uh, you've moved to the area. He was quite a successful businessman at the time. Um, and they said, do you want to come to a game? And then the guy said, we can't pay our debts. We're going to not be a club anymore. You can have this club for £30,000 as long as you pay to run it. And dad said, I'll just go for it. And uh, he took them up like five promotions and they became a conference team. Uh, so that's Forest Green, <laughs> which I know you didn't know actually before this. I had no idea. Like if you could <laughs> see my face right now for the listeners, I am stunned that... <laughs> <laughs> you're the son of a football club owner that's that's not something that has ever come up before and fair play to you um yeah wow that takes us off in a whole different direction of questions but obviously Leeds and, and England we're going we're gonna to talk about but specifically on Forest Green which we'll we'll get to uh later in in the show hmm. yeah what's what's it like when your dad owns a football club I mean that's that's a crazy <laughs> yeah. experience as a kid I guess yeah it's a very small area we're from as well so it's a bit it's quite unique that that's kind of all you become known for, to be honest, when you're a kid. Uh, I actually played for them as well as a kid. And between me and you, I probably wasn't good enough. I probably wasn't quite like the, oh, he only plays because of his dad. I was just about like yeah. scraping the level. But you could tell people were just like, he only plays because of his dad. So it was kind yeah. of, that was kind of one of the things that was always going up. And uh, But yeah, it's incredible. Um, you got tickets for England games because of it. That's how we went. You get tickets for... Well, we got Champions League final tickets in England, but just because Dad was on, because he he owned the football club, but he also worked. He was the board member for the league, so the football league have like fifty odd, whatever it is, and they have ten people from non-league, and he was one of the ten. So it meant we got tickets to loads of stuff. So I got to benefit from that, and um, yeah, it was just amazing. You go to games, you hear him tell weird stories. Obviously, it's non-league football, so it's very dodgy compared to league football. So weird signings, signing on fees, cash in hand players, like. 
I've got millions of stories, but um, yeah, it was a, it was amazing. Uh, he sold it to the guy who now owns it, and now Forest Green are in League uh, One. So it's mm-hmm. a bit of a different club to the days that I knew it. Um, but yeah, I'd say some of my happiest times are going to watch Forest Green. I didn't miss a game for three years at one point when I was in college. That's kind of why we stopped going to Leeds because obviously, if you're an owner football club and it's a small club, yeah. you have to go to games because otherwise, like, who's going to run things? So uh, yeah, it was amazing. Um, I know it, Dad was sad when he sold it. We were sad. Um, but yeah, when it's your whole life, football was his whole life at one point. It's just like you need to move on from things. And uh, yeah, but it was good. Well, yeah, I mean, that definitely puts, again, spoiler alert, one of Liam's goals into a yeah. very different context to me now that I understand this element of the story. <laughs> and wow, I'm really glad that I uh, decided that that one's going to go on last. So stick around for the Forest Green story <laughs> if, you, uh, if, you're, if you're interested in that because wow uh unbelievable yeah i i can i can under, understand you know selling it is an emotional upheaval after you invest not just money but you know time effort and love and care into a, a club you know just like any business but it must be a point of pride for him to have been a part of mm. to be fair saving that club and taking it to where it's now a successful member of the football league yeah exactly yeah so my dad my dad's not around anymore, but he wrote two things when he like when he passed away that he wanted to talk about at his funeral. And one was about something he did at work, um, very specific to helping young people. And then the second thing was actually what he did at Forest Green in terms of non-family stuff, just because the community, it just meant a lot to him. Like, it's, a lot, it's a very, it's quite a posh area where we live around the football club, but where the football club is, is a very poor area. And he comes from a very poor area. So I think for him, that pride was just immense and they were truly like 60 people man dog highest paid player was 20 pound so when he left they had a 5,000 seat stadium they just played derby in the fa cup uh beat derby in the fa cup and the highest paid player was probably like 1500 pounds a week at that time like so the whole the whole change was crazy and in the end obviously so you've got to give it to someone else haven't you to take the next step like all football clubs but um yeah it was probably one of the most like special things he's ever done and he loved it and uh probably caused him a lot of sleepless nights uh he had a bit of a reputation for sacking a manager or two back in the day <laughs> um so yeah but uh yeah i think he, he loved it and uh a lot of people where we lived do love him because of that because they associate the area with him basically um so yeah it's quite special that you can have someone that someone will come up to you and be like oh you're trevor's son and and I know he he liked that. So, yeah, it was very special. But definitely some bad losses as well over the years. Well, we'll do our best to to honour Trevor the only way we can here with this podcast and the discussion of Forest Green later on because one, an unbelievable story that I was not expecting to start things off here with. So, uh, there you go. That's all, all the more excited to talk Forest Green as we go. Um, just transitioning quickly into a little bit of, of, of Leeds United uh, and then we'll get on to the goals themselves. O- obviously, we'll, we'll, do, we'll go through the struggles of Leeds um, with a couple of goals later on. But Leeds has always been an intriguing club to me. Obviously, United and Leeds are huge rivalry, but a club that I absolutely respect for what it's, you know, achieved over the years, the history it has, and the passion of the fans. And I'm always just amazed by... Leeds is one of those rare cities, which is truly a one-club city. And growing up in London, where there's more clubs than you can take a stick at. You know, I've never really had that vibe, aside from really with England games, where mm. everyone's moving in the same direction, everyone's cheering for the same team. And I can imagine that being a Leeds fan, when it's going well, 
that can be a really positive and infectious thing and conversely can be quite toxic when it's going badly i guess yeah yeah true if some because people always ask why leads and none of my family have got an accent so apart from the ones that live in leeds still but so when you say oh my dad was from leeds everyone kind of gets it because if you're from leeds and you like football it, maybe it's not so much anymore you know with man city liverpool all those big clubs maybe there's less kids now that support leeds but back in the day if you were born in leeds you support leeds so as soon as i'd say dad was born in leeds all his life everyone would go ah oh, you support leeds but then when they ask why do you still support leeds <laughs> when you're like <laughs> when you're like 15 16 and you can kind of make your own decision um what you said hit the nail on the head for me it's just the atmosphere the games the fans just from i live about four hours away so i probably went to more away games as a kid than home games so away atmospheres for leeds is <laughs> crazy probably too dangerous sometimes for, <laughs> for children to go to but dad still still took me anyway so yeah the atmosphere is what makes it it'll be sad one day when they don't have that stadium at ellen road because i think that does make it a little bit um but yeah, the atmosphere, what it means to people. I don't know if anyone's watched the documentary. Obviously, I'm sure you probably have on on Amazon. Um, it's very good. It's very yeah, good. It is. Um, I, some of it is always a bit cringy with sport, but I am someone who will talk about it in the goals now. Um, football mean and sport means a lot to me more than just the sport. So I think Leeds fans are like that. So I kind of connect with that. And uh, when your dad drills it into you every day for like 16 years, it's, it's hard to get out of your, your blood. So yeah, I'm stuck now. And my kids, if I ever have any, will probably be stuck as well, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll, they'll, have, they'll have pedigree and, and history for sure. Um, yeah, so I, I just for anyone who hasn't seen it, the Leeds United, I believe it's called Take Me Home documentary yeah. that was on Amazon that basically charts Leeds' initial struggle to gain promotion from the championship to the Premier League. And then finally their successful promotion, which we're going to touch on later on, uh, is really worth a watch. Um, yeah. And if you're into your, your documentaries, if you've maybe you've watched uh, some of the All or Nothing on Amazon, if you've watched a, uh, Welcome to Wrexham, which is something that we'll, we'll touch on later on as well, um, you know, Leeds United Take Me Home is, is really worth a watch as well. Um, Liam, as we, as we head towards the goals now, obviously for many reasons, as you've just described, you've had a life very heavily involved with football as a fan and as, and as a family uh, of an ownership group. So how hard was it for you to sit there and boil down all of that into five goals? And was there a particular decision-making process or a, a matrix that you used to help with your, with your decisions? Yeah, so we're, we're, two of the goals were instant in your head there's no doubt the third goal is more based on the player which we'll talk about at the end well second um <laughs> and then i really did struggle with with three with like the fourth and fifth one um i wanted to talk about forest green because obviously it means so much to me and there's probably more goals i could talk about that i'm like oh what a goal or i remember that that was a crazy goal in that moment but in terms of what the goal meant that's kind of my criteria. A lot of these goals are more like where I was, time in life, how it made me feel, that sort of thing. Um, and then the last goal was just impossible. I had like 10 final choices. <laughs> I'm even sat here now being like, uh, but it's more about, it summed up the era of the team that we're going to talk about and what that team meant and how they played, I guess, more than so the goal. And I do love the goal when I was at the game. So it meant a little bit more to me than others. But in terms of ones that didn't make the cut, we spoke about it earlier. It was just a lot of England goals that I was just like, they were just like six, probably six through 10. 
are like England goals and or another Leeds goal, to be honest. But um, yeah, it was kind of more about where I was, what it meant. And um, yeah, the times that the goals were scored in, I think that was the main factor. And then a couple of them are obviously incredible goals as well, which helps. Okay, goal number one for Liam. And Liam has decided to come immediately on this podcast and try and antagonize me a little bit in a wonderful way uh, with a very, very famous Leeds United goal that is not one that I'm going to particularly enjoy talking about for fairly obvious reasons. But this is the FA Cup third round in 2010, Sunday the 3rd of January. Liam and I were just debating what day of the week this was. But this is the FA Cup third round and it's Manchester United nil. Leeds United won. And there's a number of things to say about this game. And if you know the game, you already know the goal. Scored by Jermaine Beckford in the 19th minute. And this is the first time that Leeds and Man United had played for quite some time because Leeds were not in the Premier League ever since their relegation in 2004. Yeah. 2004, yeah. So it's... It's been a while coming. This is huge rivalry in English football, Leeds and Leeds and Manchester United. And at the time, this was Leeds of League One, correct? Yeah, yeah, League One. Yeah, we were just in the trying to. We just got in the playoffs in terms of like positioning the league. So they were trying to get promoted um, and didn't actually end up getting promoted that season. This actually FA Cup run ended up halting. <laughs> the progress because we got so many injuries um but yeah it was that season when we were in league one and we were like second or third i think at the time when leeds played united so simon grayson's league one leaders at the time leeds united come to old trafford and this is a manchester united team that eight months prior were in the champions league final losing to barcelona so this is you know there are a couple of names on this man united team sheet i'm looking at you gabriel obertan that i'm not particularly <laughs> enamored with but this is this is this is still prime Ferguson era. You know, there was no no sign of Fergie stopping anytime soon at this stage. And credit to Leeds. The goal itself, Jermaine Beckford early on, and then a solid defensive effort to keep the clean sheet and win the game. I'd say, you know, a big FA Cup upset at the time, and certainly one that Leeds United fans still sing about to this day. So, Liam, take me back to 2010. You just said you remembered where you were for the goal. Um, talk me through your memories of this day and then why this goal had to be on the Desert Island goals list. So, yeah, the actual goal, I still think is a great goal, which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, I was watching this at Forest Green in the pub. I was there. I was only there because Dad was opening up for a, a women's football game. They had a ladies ah. team back in the day. I think they still have one now, but their ladies team was like really good. And uh, they were trying to win the league. So Dad was uh, opened it up and I used to go every single week and play on the pitch before the game. And I wanted to go to this game, but I was never allowed to go to Man United games. I was never allowed to go to Millwall games. I was never allowed to yep. go to Cardiff games. And my mum <laughs> was a uh, Chelsea fan. 
and uh, that was her rules that dad couldn't take me to to those games because of uh, all the trouble so i begged him to go to this game and then he stayed behind deliberately because i didn't go like feeling bad so my brother <laughs> who lives in leeds uh he went to the game um and then yeah we didn't so i watched this game in the pub um the person who ran run the pub for dad was a man united fan his son who i played football with was a man united fan uh and half the 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 ladies team were man united fans basically so that's why <laughs> i remember it because we were the only two leeds fans in a pub there's only probably 80 people in there but um yeah and it, in terms of what it meant um it's probably one of my favorite leeds moments until uh marcelo bielsa became became manager um I'd never been to a Man United game. I don't think I'd even been old enough to watch more than one or two at the time, just from like when you had Sky and stuff on TV. Um, and then obviously now looking back, we had like another eight years after this before we played you again, I think, or six years. So um, looking back now, it just means a lot. Uh, any Leeds fans listening or Man United fans listening um, knows you're bred to hate Man United if you're a Leeds fan. Um, when I text you the goals, I put the names of the team and it reads Jermaine Beckford versus Scum. That's what my dad <laughs> calls. Um, um, we could not have anything red in the house. I, you couldn't have a red paint. You couldn't have a red T-shirt. My dad once bought a red car and he claimed it was orange, but it was red. But we killed him for that for uh, for weeks at the dinner table. Um, so, yeah, it's more about what it means in terms of like we hate Man United. I thought we were going to get hammered in this game. Um, the goal was an incredible pass. From Johnny Housen over the top. It's actually for a player who's not known for passing the ball. It's a hell of a pass. I think it's Wes Brown that struggles, and then Jermaine Beckford actually has one of the worst touches you'll see, and it looks like it's got away from him, and then he slides and uh, knocks it under the keeper. And Gary Neville looks disgusted, <laughs> running from behind. And I actually quite like Gary Neville, but at the time I probably didn't. So, um, so yeah, it was a it was a hell of a goal, amazing celebrations, and you'll probably remember this better than me. But in terms of the game, for a cup upset you normally see late goals. So to score early and for us to defend for a team that we scored loads of goals that year, but we did concede a few. Um, I did not think we were going to hold on. I thought if we win, we'd have to win 2-1, you know, get a counter-attack goal, make it 2-0 and then try and hold on. But yeah, to hold on to 1-0 against, like you said, uh, I know the team name, the the names on the team sheet that day aren't great, but the team in general were amazing at that time. Obviously one of the best managers, if not the best manager of all time. <laughs> it was just a crazy win. And uh, on the bench, they brought on Ryan Giggs and Michael Owen. And we brought on A.D. White from the Leeds Academy and Luba Michelak, who was one of the worst players I've ever seen in my life. So that just shows the <laughs> difference between these two teams. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to be disrespectful by saying it's not the best United team ever. You've still got a front two of Wayne Rooney and Dimitar Berbatov, <laughs> maybe even a front three with Danny Welbeck, who also started. And yeah, Giggs, Valencia and Michael Owen came off the bench. I mean, it's by no means a United B team, really. Um, and, and like you said, absolutely credit to Leeds because it's remarkable, really, as you said, to score the early goal. And mm. and I wouldn't even say hang on. I think that's that's maybe unfair, but, you know, contain United for so long and keep the clean sheet. Um, I was just doing some research in terms of exactly what the gap was in terms of games between the two teams. And so prior to this one, the previous game was a 1-1 draw in the Premier League in February 2004. So it had been almost six years since the two rivals had played. There was a League Cup game 
Yeah, we lost the United won the United won at Ellen Road in 2011, so about a year and a half later. But then there was still another nine years until <laughs> the two teams faced off, and that was in you know the Premier League under COVID restrictions with no fans. So it's been it's a rivalry that has been halted through yeah. various situations, and that's why this game, I think, you know, from the outsider, from the United perspective, that's why this this game is so important to Leeds because it was, quote-unquote, out of nowhere, a, you know, pure chance that you get drawn together. Um, yeah. I, I do want to give you fair time to, to talk about the goal itself because, as you said, it's... Firstly, I mean, let, let's give credit where it's due to the pass from Johnny Housen. Because Johnny Housen's a very interesting player who I think has had a very good career at times. And maybe, you know, I think because he was, he was on those Norwich teams that yo-yoed a little bit towards, the, towards you know, in, in recent years. So I don't know if he gets the respect I think he deserves because I always thought he was a very talented player. As you're right, it's Wes Brown trying desperately to try and get back at uh, Beckford. Thomas Kushak, who was, to put it nicely, fairly useless in goal. And ironically, Gary Neville was basically playing him on side by being a little bit lazy getting out from the back. So th- the ball is fantastic. Beckford takes what well, is actually not a great touch off his thigh and it kind of scoots away from him. But in reality, it actually ends up helping him with the finish. And the thing that I can't believe is that he manages to cut the finish so finely that it goes behind Wes Brown, who slides in to try and block a shot. And ends up in the far corner. It's it's not the best goalkeeping I've ever seen, but you've got to give Jermaine Beckford credit for the finish. And you know, as if I was able to put my neutrals hat on, you'd say it's it's a great celebration, and the scenes of joy in the away end are you know very understandable. Oh yeah, the celebration's good. I think he slides on his back directly yeah. after. And I think he's in front of the uh, whatever that end is, but I can't remember the name of that end now. The Stratford end. Yeah, yeah, he's in front of them, and uh, he goes nuts. And there's a couple of Leeds lads that play in that team, you know, like actual yeah. like Johnny Housen, who we just spoke about for the goal. Yeah, like you said, incredible pass. Not known for he's a good striker of a ball, but not known for mm. passing as much. Um, yeah, he was a Leeds lad. You had Hughes, who was a Leeds lad. A couple eighty white on the bench, like I said, Leeds lad. So you could tell the celebrations were were really good. But the thing that I remember the most about the goal is how long it takes to go in. I don't know if you noticed that like, when you're watching it again, but after he strikes it, it just rolls in for ages. And I remember literally watching that on like, it's a big screen, but terrible screen. So it's jittery and I'm like waiting for the ball to roll in, then it rolls in. <laughs> mental. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a hell of a goal. And then like you said, on the, the YouTube clip of it, uh, the Leeds end after is going absolutely nuts. And it's one of them where I was like, oh, I wish I was there, but um, I could tell, I could understand why I wasn't at that age. <laughs> I, I thought something that you would, you know, you said was interesting in terms of your, your dad and you not being allowed to go to certain games, and obviously Man United being one of those. Um, was was there a particular incident that your 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 mum was was referencing with that, or was it just that the the rivalry is so visceral? Just as you know, just last weekend we had the Manchester derby and North London derby, and that you know, I'm sure there are families in those respective cities who say you can't go to those games to the kids because of how tempestuous it can be shall we say um and really i guess yeah o- o- on the overall as you've already mentioned scum being the nickname uh <laughs> what what does what does the man united leeds rivalry mean to you yeah so i think i think at this time when this goal happened if this was in leeds i probably could have gone to it just because obviously they do limit how many away fans go to these games because of police but because it was in manchester 
and uh, maybe mum knowing what dad was like uh, probably just didn't trust the situation so yeah I don't think there was a particular incident I've heard of many um, but I think mum just more picked it out because the stories that she'd heard obviously everyone knew about Millwall um, my mum was Welsh so Cardiff was very much known she was a Swansea fan as a kid and then became a Chelsea fan um, so she kind of never really liked Cardiff So, and obviously in the FA Cup there was big issues between Leeds and Cardiff uh, probably five years before this um, but yeah in terms of more like Man United or scum as we would call them in the family um, I think it was just yeah just the rivalry and just dad dad obviously hating them so much it was he, she just assumed that everyone in the crowd is going to be like that and it wouldn't be a very uh, nice atmosphere for, for me but I probably would have loved it secretly um, yeah and in terms of what the rivalry means um, I would say it has died down in the last couple of years um, for me um, but when I was this age and when I was into, like, like I said, it, it was like spread into me, like, don't get red this, don't wear red, don't buy a red car. Don't like, that's just what, and it sounds ridiculous if you're not probably the lead side of it for anyone listening, but that was just literally the way my dad was brought up and just passed that down. Um, so I'd say now if my United play, I always want them to lose, but I really like, not anymore as much, but I used to love Cristiano Ronaldo. David Beckham was one of my favourite players. My like dad would never like admit to liking those sort of players just because of the rivalry, whereas it's a little bit less for me. But um, every season, if there's one game I want to win and one game I want to go to, and I did go to one of them, uh, it's that game. But unfortunately, we concede six goals every time we play Man United now. So <laughs> <laughs> this game's all I've got, unfortunately. <laughs> Okay, goal number two for Liam. And surprise, surprise, it's another one against Manchester United. But this is the last one on the list uh, that is against quote-unquote scum. But it's, it's, it's a very fair selection. And uh, I'm interested to hear why uh, Liam loves this player so much. And this is the 2002-2003 UEFA Champions League quarterfinal second leg between Manchester United and Real Madrid. Interestingly, it's actually a game which Manchester United win 4-3. But that isn't really the story of the game. Real Madrid go through on aggregate 6-5 thanks to a hat-trick from original Brazilian Ronaldo, Ronaldo Fenomeno, him of incredible skill, insane goal scoring, and just arguably one of the first real superstars of the 90s and early 2000s for Brazil, for Inter Milan before this, and for Real Madrid as well. So I remember being very upset at this game. David Beckham scored twice, which made me a little bit happier. But as a child, I was heartbroken that we were knocked out of the Champions League. And uh, Beckham would actually leave the club a few months later. Very, very sad. But the goal we're talking about is the third goal of three for Ronaldo this night, in which he scores a hat-trick and absolutely silences Old Trafford to the point (laughs) where he received a standing ovation when walking off the pitch. And it is not very common that an opposition player who has effectively broken the hearts of 75,000 people at Old Trafford, is going to receive a standing ovation for just being that good. 
Liam, and you mentioned earlier about the player themselves. So firstly, what is it about Ronaldo uh, that you loved so much? And, and why did Ronaldo have to have a place on, on this list? Yeah, so it's Ronaldo and oh, Ronaldo Zario, like you said, and Real Madrid, really. Um, mm-hmm. So when I was really young, probably the season before this, maybe, um, we went to Madrid. One of my dad's um, biggest jobs was the Madrid airport. It was a long, long job. He was like into um, steel, pipework, um, loads of stuff, basically. And that was his biggest job he'd ever won um, at that time, I believe. So he had to basically get a place out there and live there half the year. It was that important to the business. So I flew over and I went to Real Madrid games and so did he. And this is someone who, for him, didn't really like watching other teams play. He was a very Leeds, Leeds, England. Uh, Forest Green at the time, yeah, but that was different. The, the other two teams were more like a passion. Um, and he went to Real Madrid games, took me, and it was like the time of my life. So I kind of just fell in love with going to watch Real Madrid. It has actually carried on to today. Like We'll talk about it later with Forest Green, but I don't really support Forest Green now or watch them now because dad's not involved. But Real Madrid has just carried on for my whole life. If someone said you're a Real Madrid fan, I'd go. It'd be hard for me to say yes. But I'd say like I follow them or I like them or my dad loved them or whatever. And um yeah, one of the first seasons I went to was the season, I think I went to four games in a two-month span. Ronaldo scored nine goals in four games that I went to. I'd never seen him play before outside of TV. And like I said, this was the season before this season. Um, and he was just incredible. I'd never seen a player like it. He is probably my... Him and Zidane are my favourite probably players of all time in terms of like how good they are. There's, we'll talk about a player later that means more from a memory point of view, but... Um, yeah, I just love them. And he was amazing. Unfortunately, like we'll talk about him, injuries like ruined his career, those knee injuries. He's even a little bit heavy in this game when he scores this goal compared to like David Beckham, for example, who was probably one of the best players in the world as well. But yeah, he was incredible. Um, the team was incredible. This game had a midfield of Guti, Zidane, Makaleli, Vigo, obviously Raul and Ronaldo up front. And um, yeah, I just uh, fell in love with Madrid. And the season after this, David Beckham played for Real Madrid. I went to his first ever game for Real Madrid. He scored after the game. True story. My dad said, went to go to the players' lounge. I went to go in and they said, you can't go in. He was like, I'm here to see. And I can't remember what name he quoted. And it was the head of the under-23s team at the time that he just heard a name when he was at the airport. And it took about 10 minutes and we're inside the players' box. And um, maybe we can share it for Twitter after, but I've got a photo with me with David Beckham and uh, Raul. Um, And I thought, oh my God, I'm going to meet my favourite player ever, which is Ronaldo. But Brazil were playing Chile the week after and all the Brazilians fly after the game. They don't go to the players' lounge. So I didn't meet Carlos. I didn't meet Ronaldo. I can't remember who else they they had that was South, South American. But yeah, I didn't meet any of them. But I met all the rest of the team, including Zidane. I've got a framed Zidane shirt that he signed for me that day in my house. And like, yeah, so Real Madrid is just like this love that I've had my whole life. Um, and when you're a Leeds fan who lose every week when I was a kid, Real Madrid is quite a nice team to watch on Saturday nights um, with Graham Hunter. I don't know if you remember Graham Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the commentary was quite good back in the day for Spanish football. So yeah, that's oh. like a long story to tell you why these are my favourite team and players outside of uh, outside of Leeds. No, I mean, I think it's totally fair that you have a 
I, I mean, you know, as a kid, I think wherever we went on holiday, I got a shirt of, you know, this team mm. or that team or whatever. And so, you know, I ended up kind of, you adopt a team in every country, basically, don't you? Yeah. Um, you know, you have you have your soft spots for various teams. Like I did a German exchange near Gelsenkirchen, so loosely Schalke are my German team, you know, things like that. Yeah. But I can totally understand as a kid, the concept of you meeting David Becker in the Players' Lounge is just blowing my mind and I'm simultaneously... <laughs> so elated for you and so mind-numbingly jealous that um, I don't really know how to process it. Well, it was interesting that you um, you referenced that Real Madrid midfield but left out Steve McManaman uh, from, oh, yeah, that, from that Real Madrid midfield. <laughs> yeah, uh, less yeah. said about Steve McManaman, the better. Please leave our TVs forever. Um, quite, a good, quite a good player, though, to be fair, for an English player. Yeah, hey, but... he's a better player than he is a pundit. That's that's an understatement, right? Um, it, in- interesting that you say about you know Leeds maybe a... Uh, Leeds maybe not winning that much and uh, and Real Madrid doing the winning for you. Um, that yeah. was actually my kind of thought process to an extent when picking my NFL team back in the day was uh, Man United were winning a lot. So let me take the Miami Dolphins because uh, they don't win ever. <laughs> and 15 years later, we've had two playoff appearances and lost them both. So, you know, it's worked out for me. And I guess Real Madrid has, has worked out for you as well. The goal itself is kind of an embodiment of everything that Ronaldo had. You know, we, we know he's he's got those crazy stats of, oh, he dribbled past X many keepers and scored this percentage of his goals by going around the keeper. But the pace, the power, the ability to turn, shield the ball, run, and then hit really an unstoppable shot past Fabian Barthez in the United goal he he really was you know he he he's more than many other players that i can remember he lived up to his name in that he was a phenomenon and what was it like to see that in the flesh yeah it was incredible he's way quicker than in person and than you think and like i'm not saying he's like harland but harland's such a physical player obviously stature he's a lot skinnier and stuff but he's a big strong guy and ronaldo is so big and strong and then all of a sudden he would just sprint past everyone and it never it was not wasn't one of them like I am Robin, 40, 50 yard runs. It was like over 10 yards. No one could keep up with him. And yeah, I think he's probably the best goal scorer. I know the other Ronaldo is probably a better goal scorer, but in terms of like the goals I've seen live, I'm just like, can't believe some of the goals that I've seen him score. Um, and it was actually a toss up between this goal and there was another goal where Guti did like a back heel and then mm-hmm. he goes to yeah. fake, he goes to fake it, goes around the keeper. And I was going to use that one as well, just because like you said, He's had more goals. I don't know about nowadays with Messi, but he had more goals for a long time, didn't he, going around the keeper? And he used to do it all the time, and they used to fall for it every single time. And he's really two-footed as well. This goal he smashes that we're talking about, he smashes with his right foot. Um, but he didn't score loads from outside the box. That's kind of why I remembered this one. Um, and I know we spoke about it before, but I watched it at home with my mum and dad, this game. And next day I was at a football camp and it rained all day. So they said, what do you want to do? And the football camp is at Forest Green Rovers. So uh, they were like, well, we've got the last night's game recorded because I recorded every Real Madrid game, always. Um, so literally went home, got the recording, and there was probably 70 kids from like age, I don't know, 9 to 13, all sitting down in the like raining outside, watching it with like food supplied by the football club. Because you paid quite a lot of money to go to this camp. It's mm. a week-long thing. Yeah. So we're all sat there, and I'm watching the game again. Loads of the kids hadn't watched the game because it's on at eight o'clock at night, whereas my parents didn't really care about it. If football's on, I could watch it. Uh, and I got to relive it, just surrounded by Man United fans, which meant a lot to me. And a couple of people that preferred Barcelona back in the day. It was always Barcelona, Madrid, still is to this day. Um, so I think watching it there for the second time, literally 12 hours later, 
was just incredible, especially for kids that didn't even know the result. Because some kids don't watch football; they just go out and kick a ball, don't they? So, for me to watch that again, it was um, just a memory that lives with me forever. The whole hat trick was really good as well. There was another great move where they squared it and he tapped it in, and it was a great team goal, but not quite the Ronaldo one. And then, like you said, um, one of the coaches was a Man United fan. He said that's the first time in his life he's ever seen an opposition player be applauded off the pitch, and I think that says a lot about how he is um and he's probably a top five player of all time for me so yeah i love him as a player and uh, obviously didn't like man united at all back then even more than now so that's fun as well <laughs> foreshaw steps in really well leads have the ball in midfield foreshaw through it goes to harrison and then played a great oh. ball into dallas dallas in space Stuart yes! dallas scores for Leeds yeah. united what a move that to pick out the run of Dallas and suddenly he was clear through. Okay, goal number three for Liam and this is back to Leeds United and what turns out to be a pivotal season for Leeds but also a very complicated one uh, based on certain real-life situations that we'll probably talk more about with the next goal on Liam's list here. This is in the championship in August of 2019. This is Stoke City nil, Leeds United 3. And with the three goals in this game scored by Stuart Dallas, Alioski, and Patrick Bamford, uh, Leeds went or stayed top of the championship with 13 points from their first five games undefeated. And it's important to note that this is the Marcelo Bielsa era of Leeds. And... That's going to be a very important part of both these next two goals for Liam here. Um, the goal we're talking about is Stuart Dallas's opener in this game, which is a wonderful move uh, to give to give Leeds some credit here. Uh, Adam Forshaw involved, a couple of touches, and I think it's actually Jack Harrison who himself has some US ties uh, with his college career and his MLS career, who finds Stuart Dallas breaking in from the right, and Dallas with a lovely side foot finish to give Leeds the advantage approaching half-time. Obviously, like I said, Leeds go on to win 3-0. Liam, this was an interesting selection for me because it did feel like it's a great goal in terms of a move, but the game itself did not necessarily, being early in the season, have that much significance. So I'm kind of joining the dots and figuring that this was probably the fifth one that you were referring to um, about the style of play rather than anything else. So take me back to August of 2019, uh, obviously, having just missed out on promotion previously, how were you feeling as a Leeds fan? How was the Bielsa era starting? And uh, why did the Stuart Dallas goal make your list? Yeah, so this time, we just, like, like you said, we were top of the, of, the, of the league at this point. We'd started incredibly well, um, even better than the year before, which fans didn't think were possible. They thought we'd just falter away after that terrible, terrible derby loss in the playoffs. Um, and we started the season on fire. Um, in terms of the Bielsa era, I'll probably talk about it, like you said, more in the next goal, but yeah, just the best time ever. I love the man. I just think he's the best manager in the world for a short to short period of time, maybe not for a 10-year window like Pep or thing, but in terms of... And I think he fits the city, so he's a great person. He's honest. He hates like money in football. He hates talking about that stuff. He like he never wanted transfers. He was like, "Why do I buy a player? I just train one of the youth players." Like he is just an incredible man, incredible person. 
one of my friends has got him tatted on their leg. I haven't quite gone that far. Um, but yeah, I just absolutely love him. Uh, and in terms of this game, I was at this game. Um, so we spoke about it earlier, and a lot of my goals have sentimental reasons. Um, my dad passed away at the end of the season before. So I said I'm going to go to every Leeds game until they get into the Premier League at least, never miss a game. So I was at this game. I went to every single game alone, and I was right behind the goal. Incredible. And the view we had, and the only thing I'm going to correct you on is it wasn't Harrison who passed it. He laid it off. Oh, It was my favorite player of all time, which is why the next goal is the next goal, is Pablo Hernandez. My bad, and my ar- bad. Arguably, I think that is the best pass I've ever seen live because in the when you watch it live and especially in the championship the games are physical fast people are getting smashed all over the place it's not it's not the same as the champions league or, or the premier league and when you're watching it live and seeing how fast the game's gone and then you see a player of that quality pick a pass out like this it's more in it for the pass than the finish um and then like you said it was the it was like option five six or seven for me and i think i just put it in because it's one of the goals that just sums up the era for me. Stuart Dallas is our right back, who has never been a right back. He is a left winger back in his day. And he played midfield, left wing, right wing, left back, right back. And this is a game where he played right back. And he's popping up as the most advanced player on the pitch to score a goal um, against Stoke away. Like I said, the game didn't mean nothing apart from the fact that um, I think we went like, three points clear after this. Um, but yeah, it's more the fact the goal is, the pass is incredible. And the move is just sums up Marcelo Bielsa before stuff maybe went wrong later in later in our time. Um, an underrated part, if anyone wants to watch the goal, is everyone hated this kit, but I actually like this awful pink kit that we're wearing. Um, so it's quite aesthetically pleasing when you're in the crowd as well, wearing 19 Hernandez on your back and then he does a pass like this. So, yeah, that's why it's in there for me. I think it was. I don't think it's a bad kit. I mean, the grey and pink is an interesting combination, that's for sure. But I wouldn't. <laughs> Leeds, I wouldn't call it bad. It. Yeah, Leeds fans are very traditional. Give me white. Give me blue. Give me yellow. Don't give me anything else. <laughs> what, what, and, yeah. Do you, how do you feel about this? Is it the purple one you've got now? The away one. Yeah. Or was that right. last year? That's yeah. last year. Yeah. This year we've yeah, got yeah, some yeah. yellow monstrosity. Oh yeah, um, the yellow one is not great, is it? Yeah. Looks like paint splots all over it. But yeah, I didn't yeah. mind this uh, this kit. But I think. Actually, the next goal is also in this kit. Um, I think it, we won loads of games in this kit that season, so it's just got funny memories for us as uh, as Leeds fans. But yeah, Marcelo's um, reign started with a win against Stoke, and then the year after, to beat them 3-0, and it should have been 6 or 7, it was one of the best performances of that early part of the season before we really started going um, in, after Christmas. It's it's a great goal, and yeah, I apologise to Pablo Hernandez for uh, having the assist <laughs> wrong in my head. That's that's my bad. I I need to do better. I apologise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it, it it was a little bit of an embodiment of you know what Bielsa tried to bring to Leeds, and I think that's something that obviously you've mentioned Bielsa being a perfect fit for Leeds as a manager and as a person. Perhaps, what are your kind of earliest memories of the? the initial Bielsa era and kind of what he brought to you to start with? Yeah, so my initial one, which is a fun story, is sat in a hotel in Russia, England, for the, for yep. the World Cup, watching a press conference for an hour and 35 minutes for a man that I've read a book on, but I never really... I watched, obviously, that Bill Bowie team when they beat Man United in the whatever tournament that was, Europa League, maybe. Well, I've read a book on him, um, just because it was recommended by a friend. Hadn't heard much of him for like 10 years, and I watched a press conference, and I was like, can't believe we've got this man in. It's going to be amazing or awful, 
basically. And I watched the whole press conference sat like the only place in this awful Russian hotel that had Wi-Fi next to the lift. And I watched the whole thing and I was just mesmerized like, I'm going to love this man. And the funny story about this whole error is, if you look at his first ever game for Leeds, it was against Forest Green. No. (laughs) In pre-season. Yeah, and I was there for there for that game and got to shake his hand. I met him twice, got to shake his hand um, as he walked into the stadium. Um, and they won that game, I think, 1-0, uh, Leeds did. But um, yeah, that was kind of my earliest memories were those two. And then, like I said, I went to every Leeds game. So I was there the first game. Stoke, ironically, they were favourites to win the league. Their manager, Calvin Phillips, like... And Calvin Phillips made a joke in the press saying, like, we can, we can win the league. Like, And there's a round table of all the managers and players there. He turned around and he was like, who's favourite next Sunday, son, or something like that? Gary Rowett it was. And uh, we hammered them. Um, and that, I remember coming out from that game being like, that. I just can't believe I've watched that team. A team that was awful the season before, finished 14th, I think. Mid-table, hardly made any signings. We had no money. The fans hated the owners. And then he just comes in and we just play like, I guess, ironically, like Real Madrid for me back in the day. So, uh, yeah, um, my favourite person probably involved in football, I think Bielsa is um, an incredible person. And after the Pablo Hernandez goal we'll talk about later, I'll tell another story about him that probably mean thinks why I mean so much to me, I think. And just very briefly on the goal scorer himself, uh, Stuart Dallas, who's been a great servant for Leeds and and, and mm-hmm. played you know very well in the Premier League for them as well. Um, what are your kind of overarching feelings and memories towards uh, towards Stuart Dallas? I think just not to talk about him too much, but just Bielsa summed up a player that played in every position apart from in goal, centre back or centre forward for this team in a two year span. Never got in at all actually the season before, and then he scored a brace in the playoff semi final. Uh, against Derby and then like that's it he hardly left the team scored against Man City in the Premier League to, to win it um, yeah just an incredible player and he just summed us up really when we were 14th in the Championship we couldn't get in our team and <laughs> Bielsa turned him into a Premier League player that scores a goal against Man City and if you listen to the rumours earns three times what he earned then and yeah I think he just sums up that era for me and uh, he's actually had a horrific injury and he's due to come back soon so hopefully he can uh, he can come back and maybe score a winner at Old Trafford. Let's see. <laughs> Give it to Routledge. Routledge forced out wide. Gets the cross in. Read by Cooper. Now Calvin Phillips. Phillips goes across the penalty area to Luke Ayling. Now Luke Ayling can set off on a run here. Swansea have got to get those men back. And Leeds can try and exploit that. Click. Out wide it goes to Helder Costa. The space. And there's an overlapping run from Ailing, and Ailing gets the ball, and there are men in the box, and it comes for Pablo Hernandez, and Pablo Hernandez scores a goal for Leeds United! Oh! Goal, a goal, a goal! Hernandez! Swansea nil, Leeds United one! Okay, goal number four for Liam, and this one is following directly on from the previous Stuart Dallas Leeds United goal. But this one comes in a, in a very interesting era of, of football because this is July of 2020. And yes, normally there would be no league football in England happening in July. But with the COVID-19 pandemic, the shutdown and quote-unquote project restart, Leeds United were trying desperately to secure their Premier League promotion. Um as late as July, and 
very interestingly, um, there were you know there was talk at the time of void the league to try and stop Liverpool winning the Premier League, and I think Leeds fans were very upset about that as well. Um, so before we talk about the goal itself in this game, Liam, uh, which is Swansea City nil, Leeds United one, uh, we'll talk about both the goal scorer and the goal. Were you at the time? Were you panicked about the concept of? avoiding of the league was that something that ever really crossed your mind um not panicked but if anyone asked my opinion i'd say i think that's ridiculous i <laughs> think we should just play that'd be my view on it but i wasn't really panicked um yeah like i said my dad obviously worked in football but my brother-in-law still works in football to this day and he works for a team in the um football league in league one um, so I kind of knew that it wasn't going to be none avoided because he was just telling me that that's not what the discussions are behind the scene, regardless of what TalkSport say. So I don't think I was overly worried. I just thought it would be a stupid idea if they did it. Um, and I'm glad they played on. Obviously, it was weird. You'll probably remember it just as much as me, but they got cardboard cutouts, no fans, fake stadium noise. I tell you what, I much preferred the real live noise than the fake mm-hmm. crowd noise that Sky yep. used to pump in. But yeah, you're right. It was a very weird time. Uh, obviously, I'm really glad they didn't null and void the league. Um, but they also could have just ended the league where they were and we would have gone up as well. So that was another scenario and I would have took that. <laughs> but now looking back, playing the games and actually going up regardless of what happened in terms of crowds, it just means much more than I think if you just got given it. If they'd have just said, oh, we'll just cut it here. You win the league, the team in second goes up, Liverpool win the league, whoever's in the relegation zone go down. I feel like the way they did it was better for the sport. But yeah, um, I would have taken an automatic win. No games if I had to. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, obviously, I didn't want Liverpool to win the league, so I was all in favour <laughs> of avoiding the Premier League. But, um, you know, that was that was purely out of a... I guess, pettiness rather than any actual real realistic understanding of the sport. Um it would have been wrong, and I, I think I'm glad that for you Leeds fans, I think it's 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 good that you were able to win the games and and do it. And really, that brings us to this game, which is pivotal um, because Pablo Hernandez's 89th minute winner all but secured promotion. We were we were just discussing this before we started recording about it didn't quite seal promotion, but it meant the Leeds were six points ahead of third place Brentford at the top of the championship. And I think we're right in saying that Brentford actually lost the following day or soon after, which basically meant Leeds would have had to have had a crazy uh, swing of goal difference, shall we say, to not be able to get promoted automatically. And it did. And Leeds are still in the Premier League to this day, which we can perhaps touch on a little bit more as we go. But the goal itself is a back-to-front counterattack as... Swansea are breaking down the right with, uh, I think it's Wayne Routledge, and Leeds pass the ball across their own box, and Luke Ayling says, forget this, I'm running, and carries it from the edge of his box, plays it into the attacking half, and then carries on his overlap. So Luke Ayling is fully run from touchline to touchline. <laughs> when he cuts the ball back, it finds the feet of Pablo Hernandez, and he finds the bottom corner of the net in off the post, and Q... Absolute pandemonium from the Leeds fan, Leeds players, excuse me, no fans, but the Leeds <laughs> players and the coaching staff go absolutely wild, as well they should, as it looks for all likelihood now that the Premier League beckons and Marcelo Bielsa has done what he was brought in to do 
in taking leads back to the big time. So, Liam, the goal itself and Pablo Hernandez taught me through where you were for this, why it had to be on the list. And you've already mentioned he's maybe your favorite player of all time. So yeah. the floor is yours to discuss Pablo. Yeah, incredible player. Obviously, he's not as good as some of the players we've spoken. Well, to be fair, I've only spoken about <laughs> Leeds players and, <laughs> one re- and one really good player. So, um, yeah, not obviously the best player in the world, but for me, just my favourite all-time player. Came to Leeds in a weird time. He was very good for Swansea in the Premier League. Then he went to Saudi Arabia, I think. And he had like this massive deal. I was reading when he signed. He was on like, bearing in mind, this was 12 years ago. He was on like 40 grand a week in like, the Middle East. And he only took the job, he said, Basically, it sorts my family's wealth out for the rest of our lives. So we took it, um, and then we signed him on a short-term deal for like six months when we were trying to get promotion seasons prior. And he was incredible. And yeah, just sums up the era for me. Obviously, the Bielsa team was great, but he was like the man. There was a lot of moments where the team weren't good enough to win some of these games, even though we had the best manager, etc. But he just won the team games that he should, never should have won. There was another goal against West Brom after like 36 seconds. That was another choice. That was a big moment. But that was a season we didn't get promoted, so maybe didn't quite mean as much. But this game, this goal just sums him up perfectly. And also, in terms of the actual goal, if you look, it gets deflected, the pass. So he's got to readjust and finish it. It's a great finish. 88th minute. Obviously, like you said, Ailings ran all over the place. Bielsa team's known for running. <laughs> uh, so it just sums up what this team was. And for Pablo himself, um, yeah, he's just my favourite player of, uh, of all time. I was watching this game at home with my wife, um, who doesn't watch Leeds games anymore, funny enough. She's a big glory hunter, but she watched all these games back in the Bielsa days on TV. I was sat next to my dog. His name is Pablo, and he is <laughs> named after the man who scored this goal. So we have walked the dog and they've said, oh, is he named after? We have the Pablo Escobar. We have Pablo Picasso. And I say, nope, he's named after Pablo Hernandez, the best player to ever play for Leeds United, regardless of how many great players we've had. So yeah, that's how much he means to me. Um, my wife still looks at him and like, as a man and sees him, he goes, oh, Pablo, like it's our dog, but it's a man. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's just incredible. He was also my dad's favorite player at the time. Not ever. He loves old school Leeds players, but um, yeah, of that era, just an incredible player. He's the best player in the league by a mile. Um, yeah, and like you said, that was the goal really that made sure that we were going to win the league. And uh, it was very fitting that it was him, to be honest. And in the end, we ended up winning our last five games and I think we won the league by 10 points, one of the biggest margins in a long time. So maybe it wasn't as tight, but when this game happened, if they would have scored and won 1-0, it would have been a close few games um so yeah hell of a hell of a game uh and like we said earlier um my mum was a Swansea fan so it just weirdly all seems to connect when it comes to to some of these goals so yeah that was it so obviously the the goal means a lot and this is Mm. Brian Bielsa era and then it gets you to the Premier League um I guess talk me through the Bielsa Premier League era because um, I want to kind of get your your take on how that went and the, I guess, sad ending that was um, Marcelo no longer being the Leeds United manager. Yeah, well, the first season was incredible. <laughs> we finished ninth. Um, I know we didn't win these games, but we scored like three against Liverpool, a couple against you guys. I can't remember. We scored four against someone else who was really good. Uh, beat Man City that season. 
we went we had a three game run where we won five nil four nil six one in the Premier League for a team. Um, and bear in mind, most of this team are still the same exact players who finished 14th in the championship three seasons before. So the first year, I think the first year of Bielsa is probably my actual best year in terms because it was just so crazy. But we didn't go up. So the end was obviously heartbreaking. But this was just the most entertainment because it looked like from October, to be honest, that we were going to struggle to get relegated unless we had the worst run of all time. So then I think you, in the Premier League, if you're not going to win anything, you're not going to finish in the top six, you're not going to get relegated. And you watch a team like this play as good as we did. It was perfect. There was no stress. Um, and then obviously the season after, we had the worst injury run of any team in Premier League history so far. We actually had a worse injury run the year we got didn't get promoted. Bielsa's had two of the worst in English football. Um, and yeah, uh, people have different views on it. But I feel like the board were to blame. We just, we had no players. We had like, I remember there's a five-week window with the maximum amount of players we had over the age of 21 and our whole squad was eight. In the Premier League and we're playing teams, we lost like 6-0 to Liverpool, 5-0 to Tottenham, 6-2 to Man United, 4-0 to Arsenal. And in the end, it was those big games that got him sacked. We conceded so many goals and I think it was just the board said felt it more as an embarrassment just to lose the way we were losing and they sacked him. I said that at the time that I think we'll probably go down if we don't sack him because I just feel like it needed something different. Um, I won't get into the technical details, but we man-marked a lot. And if everyone's always injured and tired and you man-mark, you're just going to lose games. But I also said that I wouldn't have fired him. I would have just taken the chances. And if we go down with him, I'm happy for to go down with him and just he can come bring us back up or he can leave. I wouldn't have fired him um, because he's such a quiet man. When you fire him, that's it. He left Leeds. You'll never see him again. You'll never see him. He'll never meet Leeds fans. He'll never get a goodbye. So I would rather have got to a point where you know, like, oh, this is the last game of the season. He's probably going to leave. If we lose, we're down or we're already down or we're already up and we can just say goodbye. So for me, I wouldn't have fired him. Um, in the end, it worked because we stayed up and like now I'm thankful that we did stay up. But yeah, he just me- think he means more to me than the Premier League. Um, but yeah, incredible era. Um he made like Rafinha into one of the best players in the world. Uh, and I just think that, yeah, the team was, uh, was really, really fun. And uh, he was hilarious in the Premier League because he just hates like doing media for non-local journalists. And he hates all the narrative talk that we get. And he was like, everyone would ask him like about VAR. And he'd be like, I didn't care about VAR. We, <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't complete enough passes. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. Who cares about VAR? That didn't mean anything to me. And uh, he's just a breath of fresh air. I think the English media treated him pretty bad just my views but yeah um i still loved it i wish it didn't end like it did but unfortunately that was it and i didn't go to those games actually that was the year i gave my season ticket up because of work um in the end probably good that i did because i didn't have to see the five nil six nils and then obviously him looking sad on the sidelines but yeah incredible era for leeds i wish he was still our manager taking back in a heartbeat um but unfortunately not the case i'm glad he didn't join bournemouth by the way oh yeah, yeah yeah Very glad. I I wanted to say that I thought one of the most amazing things was there was that story. I'm trying to look exactly when it was, but I think it was soon after he got fired that Leeds fans took out an ad in, it was either a billboard or was it in the newspaper that was basically saying, thank you, Marcelo, in his local newspaper in Argentina. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did it. Put it all in uh, Spanish. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they did that. Yeah. Yeah. They're very close, actually. Um, Newell's, which is the team that he, 
like who basically the widows of Bielsa they're called over there because they all love him and basically like Leeds fans now and our fans and their fans became quite close and yeah like a group of their fans just said we know someone who works for the newspaper we could translate da, 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 da. he'll see it because his brother reads this newspaper every day mm. he's quite a famous man in that area of the world. yeah for sure um, so yeah they did that which was incredible they also went to his house when he got fired and like lined up and he said like goodbye to every single person individually Patrick Bamford went over to his house after the game. Like, there's so many crazy Bielsa stories. Um, yeah, sad to see him go, but I'm glad. And actually, recently, he did a coaching event in Sweden. And for anyone who doesn't know, Leeds have a massive Scandinavian following. Um, so 20 Leeds fans went who aren't coaches, and they paid the £500 fee to do the course, and they get to meet him. And then that was the first time ever they gave him a shirt. They said, thank you. And he actually spoke about Leeds for the first time since he left and said it was the best time of his life, best people, best city, and like basically started crying in this course. And it was like the only moment where it was like, oh, it's nice to hear him actually get a moment to say something. And um, yeah, that was pretty special. But yeah, I'm sad he's gone. But I love the memories whilst he was here. And um, final story to not rabbit on too much about the man. Um, when my dad passed away, he wrote my family a handwritten letter to say sorry because my dad was quite my dad's quite well known if you're old school from Leeds so you know there's people who worked at Leeds for like 40 years basically he wrote the letter he signed a shirt and then he said that I can take my nephew in my dad's honour to go watch Leeds train whenever I want and meet all the players unfortunately that didn't happen because Bielsa then like left like, relatively we couldn't make it work and then by the time we could things were bad and they weren't letting people go to the game like training ground back then but um yeah and he did that off his own back just from someone at the club saying that someone who's supported the club for 60 years has passed away and uh wrote that and we had the funeral at ellen road so um yeah and he did that himself and no and i just think the most incredible person ever i think i've ever met in football so yeah that's my uh bielsa story i love the man one day come coach england let's come on bielsa let's get back into international football why not but yeah hopefully i see him coach one more time somewhere that he loves there's a lot of rumors that he wants to go back to bilbao which would be nice jennings just to immediately win it back off no but no faulting the commitment out there now then this could be interesting it's Deutsch who's peeled wide mars brown is central on goes Deutsch. he'll have a go Incredible hit from Christian Deutsch. Forest Green's top scorer this season has delivered again. Okay, goal number five. Fifth and final one for Liam. This is one that I trailed a little bit at the start, having heard (laughs) out of nowhere all of uh, Liam's connections to this particular club. And what a special situation it is. So this is Tranmere Rovers 1, Forest Green Rovers 3 in the National League playoff final of 2017. Now, I referenced it a little bit earlier, but if you are an American or a Brit and watching Welcome to Wrexham, this is the game that Wrexham are trying to win, okay? When Rob (laughs) McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds took over... This game, the playoff final that gets you promoted into League Two, into the Football League, that is what they are desperately trying to win for financial reasons, for competitive reasons, for so many different reasons, for prestige reasons, shall we say. And this is the game that Forest Green managed to win. 3-1. 
goals two from Woolery, an equaliser from Jennings, and the goal we're going to talk about from Christian Deutsch that puts Forest Green 2-1 up and eventually win the game 3-1. What a goal it is too. But Liam, mm-hmm. f- for, the, for those out there, s- set the scene of this game. Um, was this at the time where your dad still owned the club or this was with the new owners? And what exactly, if you can, quantify what a game like this means to a club like Forest Green at that time? Yeah, so no, he didn't own it anymore. Um, it's owned by a um, vegan slash like a vegan person who's an environmental activist called Dale Vince, very famous, um, actually well-known in America because there's loads of American Forest Green fans now because of all the stuff he does with the environment. They've got their own podcast and everything, their own supporters club now. It's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, no, dad didn't own it. I think he'd not owned it for five years at this point. Um, in terms of setting the scene, he sold it to this guy there was two people left to choose at the end. Dad gets to pick. He picked Dale. They fell out afterwards. And this is actually one of the days where they had their first in-person interaction where dad went up to him before the game, shook his hand and said like, good luck. And Dale was like, oh, how are you? And they had like a nice chat and it was a bit of a like breaking of bread, I guess. Um, so no, yeah, he didn't own it. And he was at the game though. He watched it in the director's box because they made him like an honorary president. Um there's even more to this story. But uh, I was at the game as well. I was actually in line, for anyone who watches the goal afterwards, I was in line of when he cut inside. I was behind it so I could see the cut in. And you know when you're at a football game and you're behind the ball, it's very different because you know it's going in, don't you? Whereas if you're like at the top, you're like, is he going to go in? And you could watch it and it flew in the net. Um, but yeah, this goal is even more special because uh, Dad was one of the people that built, his company built New Wembley. So he sat in the Royal Box, like took his um, be- one of his best friends at the time, who wasn't a Forest Green fan but loved football. Uh, they went to the game together, and then the rest of us watched it with the Forest Green fans. We wanted to sing and get a bit rowdy. Um, and I saw him before the game, never seen him as nervous in my life. Doesn't own the football club anymore. Doesn't really go to all the games because of the, um, the fact he went to Leeds games. And he was terrified, told me... He- he put a large amount of money on Forest Green to win. He even allegedly got the score right, but no one saw the betting slip. <laughs> um, all his friends from Leeds came down, met, met us before. Um, yeah, it's just an incredible day. They actually lost the playoff final a year before. So that's heartbreak. As a Leeds fan, I've lost like three um, in my life. So I know what that feels like. So this was a big game. The two clubs hated each other because the Tramier owner does not like the new owner because of his stance. Like Forest Green don't serve meat at games. They don't, like the directors don't wear suits to games. They wear like ripped jeans, like very much different clubs. So the clubs hate each other. So um, yeah, and you've got what? 40,000 Tramier fans on one end. And then... uh, 6,000 Forest Green fans, very small area. Um, 800 people live in Forest Green, by the way. That's it, the village, tiny village. And Tramia is a massive club for anyone who doesn't know. So yeah, in terms of what it means for a club that size to beat a club that big, a club they don't like, yeah, it was special. Um, for, it's a bit different because Forest Green were a little bit Wrexham-y. They had the biggest budget in the league. This guy is very wealthy. He bought it off my dad. Um, they should have gone up the year before. So it's not quite that fairy tale, but if you're from that town, you've supported them all your life. Like some of these people that went to this game, it's crazy to imagine your team uh, in League Two. And then obviously, then two years later, two, three years later, now 
got promoted to League One and now they're a League One team. So, yeah, that's kind of setting the scene. And I put it in really because, A, the goal was crazy. I didn't go to as many Forest Green games back then because of the whole issue with the, the, my dad and the new owner. Just kind of like took my dad's side, I guess. But towards the end of the season, we started going again after they made him like an honorary president. Me and my wife went to all the last five games of the season, both playoff games and this game. Um, and I think it just means a lot, to be fair, in terms of memory. Afterwards, I saw him, hardly ever seen him cry in his life. He was crying. Um, yeah, and it was just a bit of a, a bit of a special memory. And then in terms of the goal, the player who scored yeah. it is one of the best Forest Green players of all time. Um, incredible goal scorer, now plays in Scotland. I think yeah. he scored like 30 goals that season. And when he cuts it, all his goals were in the box. They're all tappings, they're all headers, they're all quick finishes, a bit like Patrick Bamford, I guess. Um, so for him to run the length of half the pitch, I guess, cut inside and smash it across goal, I did not expect to see a goal that good that day. Um, it was a hell of a goal. And then uh, shout out to Jim McNulty, who's like the most overweight 40-year-old centre-back who's playing, very much non-league player, um, tries to keep up with Christian Dory, but couldn't do it. So yeah, it was a great goal, great day. Um, one of the most fun memories. I wouldn't have been as sad losing this game as like a Leeds game. It just didn't mean that much back in the day. But when I saw how happy my dad was, I think it just me- makes this game mean so much more to me. So yeah, it was a good good game, good goal. I mean, it's an incredible goal. And so I'm I'm aware of Christian Deutsch primarily from his time in Scotland as my, my family are Hibernian fans. So Christian mm. Deutsch is a name that I know well, but it was not one I was expecting to see on this list in terms of in, in non-league football. I wasn't aware that he'd come from Forest Green originally. But as you said, the the goal itself is simply incredible. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly quick counter-attack that starts in the Forest Green half and goes big, long diagonal out to Doige on the left. And as he cuts inside, you can kind of see what he's thinking. And that must have been incredible from your vantage point behind him because yeah. the shot he hits flies into the corner. It's, a, it's an absolute rocket. And it's, quite frankly, an outrageous finish. And credit to him for being able to find that gap and, and put it past the keeper with such power. And at the time, obviously, it's a it's a 1-1 game. And I, I watched the full highlights uh, on YouTube this morning, and it seems like it was a fairly action-packed and uh, yeah. full of chances first half at the very least. And so, you know, amazing for him that he was able to give Forrest Green the lead back after you'd been initially pegged back. Yeah, and I think on the full highlights, on the 38th minutes, this is scored three minutes later, they have a cross go right yep. across the goal, yep. and he should score. And the player it is is called James Norwood, who I'm actually still relatively friendly with today. He is not liked by Forest Green fans because of the way he talks about the club after he left. So he misses a sitter, the whole fans cheer, and it's not quite right after, but two minutes after, we're having a counter-attack, <laughs> where we then score with our new striker, and obviously Norwood was our old striker, um yeah and it just kind of set the scene and then the third goal in the game is really good as well and then after the third goal it was kind of one of them games you know where typical playoff final where it is just dead then and you could enjoy it there's not that like drama of like oh I think we could concede two goals here it's more like oh, we're just seeing this game out now and then obviously uh they got promoted and the, the players went mad but yeah it was quite a fun game um and the year before when they lost second half they kind of got battered so it was quite nice to see a first half where it was like, okay, this team's very good. It's at least it's even. And then obviously Forrest could end up winning three one against a much, much bigger team for anyone who doesn't watch uh, non league football. It's again amazing and delighted for Forest Green that they were able to 
find a way to win and 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 find a way to get into the football league is it is it is it a weird feeling for you now to kind of see them have the success that they've had and be at the level that they're at considering where the club were when when your dad took over or is it is it something that you are still you know very prideful of or is it is it just a strange feeling all in all yeah it's quite strange there's kind of pluses and minuses i guess to it they've changed a lot like i said one of the reasons they weren't liked by some teams is because of the whole like no dress code in the boardroom no meat players don't eat meat no milk um, they don't have groundsmen. They, Wait, have like they, a, man, they mandate that the players don't eat meat on match days. They don't eat meat. Interesting. Yeah, so you can't eat meat if you go to games. They don't have like staff that cut the grass. They have an automatic lawn mower because more environment friendly. The whole stadium is run by Green Energy. Wow. It's the first green, um, all green energy football club in the world. Basically, that's why people in America know about it because it was on like Fox News and all that sort of stuff. Um, so my kind of association with the club has drifted a lot even though i'm not against some of those uh, those things but they've changed the badge Mm. people people will deny this at the club but they tried to change the name didn't get accepted so they it's very slowly going and they still play at the ground now to the the day that my dad built that was kind of why he sold it he built the ground his company built the ground for free and then he had like one more go again promotion. They finished ninth and he was like this is too expensive i'll sell it basically so they're still at that ground now but they've actually plan to build the first all wooden stadium as well in in, in europe which is way sorry, closer sorry, to sorry. is that not is that not a all jokes aside is that not a fire hazard, hazard. yeah I don't, there is they've obviously done something to sort that out but i don't know what type of wood it is or what they glaze it with but it looks <laughs> nice it's massive they want to be a championship club i don't think it's going to happen and i think they're probably going to go down but i think what's happened is it's drifted so far away from the club that i loved because dad's not around anymore I don't have that same feeling. Um, but when he wasn't well and when he passed away, the amount of people that would be like, before Dale had it, your dad did this. Like, I, I've even been on an American podcast from Forest Green fans that are like, oh, I, only, I didn't know who your dad was till I read this book about Forest Green. Da, da, da. So I think when I get those moments of someone saying, oh, before Dale, your dad, like it was all your dad. He saved us. He did this. I feel great about it. But I don't really take much pride in them being where they are because it's so far gone now. And so much money's been spent that I just don't associate that as much. But this League Two team still had a lot of players in that were there when Dad was involved, or the, and the manager was Dad's friend who used to play for Forest Green, so it was a bit more meaning. Um, but yeah, it is weird to see them in League One. Very weird to see them on like net, like you know the Seaspiracy documentary. The owner of Forest Green did that. No way. So it's weird. <laughs> to, it's weird to see them be so famous. If you know what I mean, as a team when I used to go. We'd go to Barrow away, which is five and a half hours, and there'd be twelve of us, yeah. and like, and four of the twelve are directors that stood behind the goal. So yeah, it's it's very different, but yeah, still a little bit of pride. That's why this game meant so much. But we'll see. Hopefully, they stay up in League One. I still want them to stay up just because some of my friends still support them. Um, but we'll see. It's not looking great at the moment. <laughs> okay. That's Liam's five goals completed just by way of a very quick recap. We started with Jermaine Beckford's winner for Leeds against Manchester United in the FA Cup. We had Ronaldo, Fenomeno, Nazario for Real Madrid against Manchester United in the Champions League. Stuart Dallas for Leeds against Stoke in Championship. Pablo Hernandez's goal to all but seal promotion for Leeds in the Championship in 2020. And Christian Deutsch's playoff final effectively winning goal for Forest Green against Tranmere from 2017. Liam, 
first and foremost, thank you so much for the conversation. The goals have been fantastic. It's been great to learn so much about your life with football. Um, we said at the start, we'd give you time for honourable mentions. I know you have some, and I think they're probably going to have an England theme. Um, mm. But what were some of the goals that just missed out on your list and uh, and, and why? Yeah, so I mentioned a couple, so I won't go into them too much, but David Beckham free kick his first ever game for Real Madrid. That was one that missed out. Pablo Hernandez against West Brom, like one minute in. That was a crazy, crazy one. Um, Stuart Dallas against Man City, those sort of games. Then a couple of Forest Green ones, just when they stayed up from relegation. But um, the England ones were the closest. Um, so like I said, me and dad used to go to pretty much every game. So the Joe Cole game, a goal, sorry, against mm. Sweden. Mm. We were not very good that day. And I, again, actually, it's the same story as the Deutsch one. I was basically, we were way high up, but I was behind it. So when he chested it and hit it, you couldn't see it was going in. But when you saw the trajectory, you were like, oh my God, this is going to go in. It's one of the best goals. And when I was doing research for this, it's voted in like the top 10 England goals ever yeah. of all time. So I was like, wow. Um, and then I couldn't pick a goal, but England beat Argentina 3-2 in Geneva, mm. 2005. Wayne Rooney scored one. That was a good goal. And then Michael Owen, yeah. I think both tap-ins, if I remember right. But I was going to pick one of them just because that's one of my all-time favorite games I've been to in my entire life. Uh, uh, and I think the game was just like, this game is insane. Obviously, Argentina were incredible back then. That's not far after the 1-0 win over them in the World Cup mm-hmm. um, when Beckham scored the penalty. Um, so, yeah, I think the game just meant meant a lot to me from that sense and just one of the best games I've ever been to. Um Obviously, I imagine you've had it before, but the David Beckham Greece goal must be one that <laughs> gets talked about. Um, and then I also was just going to mention the penalty shootout goal. Um, was it Eric Dyer? I can't remember. Yep. Whoever scored the winning goal against Colombia was. Dyer, I know that's yeah. not. A, it's not a goal, is it? But it's, yeah, uh, that's a, this. Is, we've had this issue on the podcast. The penalty shootout goals <laughs> are the only thing that is technically not allowed. But you can absolutely give them honorable mentions. We've yeah. had a couple of Americans who wanted to have the Brandy Chastain penalty of the. Oh, 99 Women's World Cup, which is a very fair selection. And, you know, I think it would be tough for me as a United fan not to pick uh, a save, actually, of Edwin van der Sar against an Elker in the Champions League final. So I understand that sometimes people want these uh, want these, want these big moments from shootouts, but obviously you know, not technically part of the game. But sorry, yes, it's, it's a very fair uh, selection as well. Yeah, so I think those were, those were kind of my most... Honorable mentions that I liked, and then all loads of the other goals were in losses. And like I said, I was going down the theme of what they meant, so it was difficult. Like I was at the game when we lost to Germany with a Lampard goal that wasn't a goal. Um, I was at the game when we were one up against France. We left the stadium, thought we'd won, and then Zidane scored in the last minute, one-one. Um, yeah, the Ronaldo game where he got Rooney sent off that game as well. Um, but yeah, in the end, they were the closest ones. I think the Geneva one was the closest because, like I said, it's the, the I think at the time I felt like this is the best football game of my life, and I probably felt like that for a long time afterwards. So yeah, but they were just uh, they were some honourable mentions. No more against your team, uh, so you'll be happy to know that there was uh, there was none of them. And then oh yeah, and the final one was um, Drogba in the Champions League final, the header. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't. My uh, mum was a massive Chelsea fan. Obviously, Leeds don't like Chelsea, but I like the team for her. And um, that meant a lot to our whole family as well. Um, and it's just a hell of a game, that is. They probably should have oh, lost yeah. that game. But yeah, that, those were just probably, my honorable mentions. Probably. <laughs> they definitely should have lost that game. About 4-0. Uh, can't bet, yeah, it was can't actually, bet against that, Drogba in a final. Though, can you? <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, that was actually selected in our... Uh, 
our previous episode by oh sorry previous but one episode by by Chris Gress and uh, uh yeah I know he's he's a huge Chelsea fan and that that goal means a lot to all the Chelsea fans I know but yeah the any Chelsea fan who tries to tell me they were the better team that night will have a serious talking to but <laughs> Liam thank you for these those honorable mentions are fantastic this this whole podcast has been brilliant um and yeah just thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your goals with us perfect thanks mate thanks for having me I've enjoyed it it's always nice to talk about the other type of football with you um you've got an amazing podcast so yeah i wish you the best for the rest of your episodes well thank you man and i'll wish you good luck for this is very much a time daying it but i'll wish you good luck for the the chiefs against the jaguars this weekend because i know that's <laughs> that's going to matter to you just as much as anything this weekend um guys as always all the goals that we've spoken about the video links are in the description uh if you want to watch them online and definitely if you haven't seen the forest green ones or one of these leads ones definitely check them out they're great moments and great goals uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode, brand new guest talking more Des Island goals. As always, please follow both of us and the podcast on social media. Links will be where you usually find them and continue to help us get the word out. We think it's a good concept and people seem to like it. So hopefully we'll be getting more people on. And if you want to be a guest, get in touch. You know, we want as many uh, diversity of, of football fans we can possibly have as possible. So yeah, please get in touch. Uh, thanks again, as always, for listening. And enjoy the rest of your weekend. Cheers.